DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with the Zero Res cleaning before the holiday. Clean in November, make a food donation to Zero Res, and they'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res is the right way to clean. Call them now at 801-288-9376. 801-288-9376. Time to bring in Ryan Abraham now. USCfootball.com. He's joined this show frequently over the years, and he is back because USC and Utah are scheduled to play Saturday. Now, having said that, 15 games called off in Maryland, Michigan State, the latest one to be added to the list. But let's go ahead and assume they're going to play this game. Ryan, good morning. Good morning. That song got me fired up. A little football coming this weekend. So how fired up are USC fans? Because I see the portion that are on Twitter – and they're angry. They're furious. These games have been too close. SC's messed around and been fortunate to win at the end, which is a sign that Clay Helton sucks and all is wrong with USC football. And Twitter demands accountability. You nailed it. And that's the kind of way the fan base is, even on our message boards. And you wonder what percentage of the fan base that is, but it's definitely a vocal percentage. It's the passionate percentage, people that really follow the team understand they look at the team oh they're 2-0 it's a pandemic year that's good well i mean arizona doesn't look like they're a very good team and you're pretty lucky to beat them at the end obviously the arizona state game they were a 99.9 percent chance of losing and they end up pulling out a miracle and it just doesn't seem like the problems from the years past have been fixed even though you've made a lot of changes outside of the head coach so yeah the fans are, are pretty upset and they're mostly upset guys that the the hardest part of usc schedule was basically lopped off. There's no Alabama, there's no Notre Dame, there's no Oregon, there's no Washington. So those were going to be opportunities for Clay Helton to kind of stub his toe. Now there's not as many opportunities to do that. This weekend is is one of them, though. All right, Ryan. Uh, even though I worked at the Daily Breeze, lived in the South Bay for a decade, I'm a graduate of Arizona State, and if you think SC fans are furious, <laughs> you ought to see what we're going through. <laughs> <laughs> but with that in mind, when I go to the gym, a lot of times I listen to uh, Phoenix Talk, uh, Sports Talk Radio. The uh, boss there used to be our boss here in Salt Lake. Anyway, I have an interest. So they had Jan uh, going into that game, the first game. And you were talking about how the receivers, the, the, the core isn't very deep. And I thought to myself, so they only have four NFL receivers <laughs> instead of six? <laughs> Because they sure looked really good to me these last couple of weeks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, losing Michael Pittman from last year, he was a leading receiver. But you knew guys like Armand Ross St. Brown were were studs. Uh, Tyler Vaughns has just been really steady. He has a chance to set a bunch of USC passing records. And, you know, guys like Drake London were emerging, or Brew McCoy we hadn't seen yet. He was a former five-star. And and Drake London has just been probably the best player on the offense so far this year. So I wasn't really expecting that. I mean, he's catching short passes over the middle and just running through guys and making huge plays. So he's the one that caught the game winner against Arizona State, a fingertip catching traffic. So he's been, I mean, USC might be 0-2 without him at wide receiver. So I feel like it's not as deep. Like there's just not that many guys if a couple get hurt. But you're right that the first three or four guys, like I think they're all going to be playing in the NFL. So it's, you know, they'll be testing a young, uh, less experienced Utah secondary. So that's definitely going to be something to watch. So, Ryan, the, uh, we have uh, ex-college football players on from Utah, BYU, and Utah State, and the one thing they've all agreed on is that 
even though the Utes sent a bunch of NFL guys, uh, a bunch of D-line guys to the NFL, they've got a bunch of D-line guys who can still control the line of scrimmage, and they're going to go get Slovis. I mean, Slovis is thrown for 700 yards, a little over that. If, if you let him stand there and throw it, to his NFL receivers, he's going to do it. So they're of the opinion that the Utah defensive line is going to keep Slovis off balance, under pressure, on the move, and and give that secondary a fighting chance. How much faith do you have in USC's O-line? Yeah, you know, that's been one of the big question marks coming into it. I think the tight ends have performed fairly poorly just from when, when they're on the field. But the offensive line, I don't think they've been fully – tested yet and this is going to be their toughest test of the season because Utah just keeps cranking these guys out uh you remember when like Stevie Tuikovatu transferred to USC he was a star for USC he was like a third string guy at Utah so they've definitely put out tons of defensive linemen and it looks like that you know the they're going to still have a great rotation with a lot of athletic guys that can really get after the quarterback and I think that's going to be the biggest issue for for Keaton Slovis is really trying to get the protection he needs. Elijah Vera Tucker, they moved him out to left tackle. He's been an absolute stud. He's going to be another first-round draft pick for USC. But outside of that, there's been a lot of question marks, and there's been some blown assignments. Um, you know, We've seen some mistakes being made that really have blown up plays in the backfield. So, yeah, I, I like the matchup with the USC's receivers against the secondary, but can Slovis get there? He likes to get you know, rid of the ball quickly, but I think there's going to be a lot more pressure in this game on him. So how he handles that, can he take off and run and pick up some yards, whatever he needs to do, because I do feel like the Utah defensive front is going to give a lot of problems to the, the USC offensive line. So during the Arizona game, you had analyst Joel Klatt talking about Slovis, and he said something's off here. Now he did go in and lead him to that game-winning touchdown down at the end. And afterward, it was addressed, uh, at least it was brought up, What's going on? Is there something wrong with his arm, his shoulder, or what have you? And he, Slovis and, and Helton, if I remember correctly, were talking about, well, it was mechanical issues. They'll get those things straightened out. Is it deeper than that? It, we call it arm gate because it's weird. I asked Graham Harrell after the first game because I thought I, I saw that against Arizona State, and he said, well, I'm up in the press box. I didn't really notice the balls fluttering. I'm, I'm way up near the moon. It's hard to see. I'm like, well, we could see it on television. Like, There's no way the offensive coordinator wouldn't know. So it happens again against Arizona, and now everyone's asking the question. Keaton Slovis brought up mechanical issues. Uh, Clay Helton said that the balls were kind of slick. It was windy, even though there was no wind in Tucson from all the reporters that were there. Um, and, and then Graham Harrell came out on Tuesday this week and said, I don't know what Keaton's talking about. It wasn't mechanical. He thought that he maybe threw a bad ball, it slipped out of his hands, and then it was in his head the rest of the way. But Clay Helton has doubled down or tripled down and said, he looked great in practice this week. It, it was just a one-time thing, even though this, we, I've seen it for two weeks in a row. But he said it's not going to be an issue uh, going in this week, and you're not going to have to talk about it again. So we'll see. But you know, thinking about it, a, a, you know, an altitude environment where it's going to be cold at night, like that seems like a good opportunity where balls could slip out of your hand a little bit. So it's going to be something to watch. He's still been accurate. He's still like 70% as a passer, and he's doing really well. But – they just haven't looked as crisp. So it's definitely going to be something to watch. So I would watch for that and see if his balls flutter a little bit. It's been happening, but he's still been very effective. So on the other side of the football, uh, USC has given up uh, 57 points in two games. That seems like a little bigger number than your average head coach and defensive coordinator would prefer. What is the? Are there multiple problems? And if so, what is the number one problem? 
Yeah, we got to talk to Todd Orlando, the new uh, defensive coordinator, and you know he's he's admitting that there's issues, that there's a work in progress going on, and you know kind of alluded to they just haven't had that many weeks together to to look like a cohesive defense. It just seems like if you watch them, they're kind of slow to the ball sometimes. There's some bad angles. I do love the way the defensive line is playing, and Marlon Tuipolochu is leading the team in tackles from a nose tackle spot, which maybe that's a bad sign, but he's really been good. The safeties, Talanova Funga and Isaiah Polamau, I think they've played really well. And even the corners, there have been some penalties, but uh, you know Elijah Griffin and Chris Steele, I think they've been solid back there. The, the deficiencies, I think, have mostly been at linebacker, and you have a former five-star, Pellier Naoteote, that just has, you know, he's got banged up a little bit. He's in concussion protocol, but him and Raylan Goforth and the guys that they've used in the inside linebacker spots just haven't been making the same kind of, you know, the same amount of plays. That The first game against Arizona State, your inside linebackers had one solo tackle total, and that's just not going to cut it. You know, you need those guys making plays, and Todd Orlando's a linebacker guy, so I really thought we'd see a step up there from that group. So it's from what he's saying, it's still a work in progress and they're working on things, but I'm just not seeing them flying around to the football. And it's more of a kind of reading and figuring out what's going on. And then they look a little bit slow. So you could tell from talking to Todd Orlando that he's a little frustrated with that. And we'll see if they have any new wrinkles coming in this weekend. But I think Utah's going to test them, especially the linebackers. So I think they're going to run the football quite a bit. And uh, I think it's going to be a you know a good test for these guys to to see how you know how they can hold up against a good offensive line and a good running game. So you speak of the inside linebackers. I think they've got to probably be pleased with number ninety nine on the outside, Drake Jackson. He's been a yeah, is just a star for USC. He picked up two big sacks against Arizona late in the game, and he missed most of the first half. He had to go get an IV. There were some dehydration things going on, and. He was a big contributor in the first game against Arizona State, but just didn't have the stat line. He picked up the stat line uh, in game two. And I think for this defense to roll, uh, he's going to need to play a a big part of that, uh, just getting after the quarterback. They'll drop him back a little bit, but he's mostly, you know, they call him like the the B-back or whatever, but he's mostly going to be hand on the ground at the line of scrimmage, kind of getting after the quarterback and supporting the run. But they will have some when there's these different zone reads and things like uh, zone coverages, they'll – He'll drop back, but for the most part, he's still like a you know defensive line. But he's lost like 30 pounds in the offseason. That was a little bit of concern after he didn't get a lot of stats in game one. But he still looks like the, the same Drake Jackson we saw last year, and uh, that's a good thing for USC. When Kyle Winningham looks at the stats, which obviously he did a while ago, but when he did look at the stats and he saw that USC was giving up on average 208 yards a game on the ground, uh man, he he's gonna want run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Does that, um, you know, the theory is you run the ball, you keep the other team off the field, and they're out of sync offensively. Does SC seem vulnerable to that at all, or is there basically an NFL quarterback and NFL receiver sitting over there like, whenever you let us back on the field, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna start throwing passes and fifteen yards of pop right down the field, unless we no, break I a big you- one. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. USC is vulnerable to that. There's uh, Clayhorn has a you know one of his cliches. He likes to talk about situational mastery and you know being the master of these different situations. It kind of makes uh, the USC fans base the, their skin crawl when they hear it. He's talked about it all the time. But there have been bad situations where it's if the you know the defense forces a turnover and the offense isn't able to take advantage or. The offense gets a quick score, and then the defense gives up a really long drive. They just the situations haven't worked out where both sides are kind of 
helping each other. And if you are able to have a sustained drive and you keep the offense off the field, I think you can get uh, that offense out of rhythm. And we've seen Jaden Daniels, very mobile quarterback, ran all over the USC defense in the Arizona State game. But Grant Cannell is a you know pocket passer, uh, strong arm guy, and he was really effective. I think he had six first down runs in, in the game against USC. So it's not just you know the, the running backs, which you know Utah's got a good stable there, even you know after missing Zach Moss. But either quarterback, whoever, I don't think they've named a starter yet. I think you know even though they're not the most mobile guys, they're not Tyler Huntley from last year. I think they can be really effective uh, moving the ball with their legs if the play breaks down. Uh, you know, is USC going to use some kind of spy or whatever? They started doing that in the second half, but Arizona was very effective with a pocket passer running the ball uh, out of the quarterback position. So I think that's definitely going to be something to watch. And if you can, you know, you chew up some time and you get a lead and you can sit on it for a while, we saw USC struggle. And they've been great at the end of games and they've, they've put it together when it counts, but that's give, that gives you your best shot to win the game. You get a lead early and don't let them kind of go crazy and get a lot of momentum on offense when they can, you know, because they have all that firepower. So with Harold calling the shots on offense, is this what we're going to see consistently the rest of the season? Is that the run basis basically is augmenting the pass rather than the other way around? Yeah, you know, they talked, Clay Hilton talked about he wants to see uh, USC be able to run the ball you know, for like 165, 170 yards. And the reasoning was, some of the prolific passing offenses from last year, like LSU and, and Alabama, were doing that. And they got that. They got 170-something yards against Arizona. But it just doesn't seem like that's, you know, it, it's like, oh, you got there was a magic number you needed to get to. They talk about it, but they're still throwing the ball, uh, I think, like 60% or a little, a little bit more. And, uh, you know, one of the more passing uh you know, happy teams in the country right now. And I, they've talked about, they've talked about they want to run the football more. And I think their running backs have played well. Stephen Carr's a former five-star who just the last two years has haven't looked the same after he had a back injury. He's apparently, you know, added five inches to his vertical leap. He looks a lot more explosive out there. And Marquis Step is a powerful back. But they've had a lot of third and shorts, fourth and shorts stopped in the first two games. And that's, you know, people are pointing at the offensive line. People are pointing at the scheme that you're, you know, fourth and inches and you're in the shotgun, what are you doing? Um, so there's been a lot of questions about that. So that's going to be something to watch. I think they've got they've been able to run effectively, but can they run when you expect them to run? It's third and two. Are they going to be able to pick up those two yards? Um, so I think that's something that you want to watch for. But you're, you're right. It's it's more of a it's an offense that's going to lean on the pass, even though they've talked about really wanting to be, uh, you know, have more run involved in it. The shotgun at the one-yard line always drives me nuts. And it happens all the time, but I digress. Um, It seems like the thing that has helped USC run the ball, uh, because they do predominantly throw it, but averaging 85 snaps a game, that seems like a really high number. Do you expect them to sustain that? 85 snaps is a ton. It's a ton. They had a lot more against Arizona State, uh, and that's kind of like skewing the other. It was more like, I guess, normal uh, against Arizona, but Arizona kind of controlled the ball uh, a little bit more. It's They would like to do that, and they'll run some tempo, but it's not really a tempo kind of team. They've, they've shot themselves in the foot sometimes. You know, you get a big play, and you try to get up to the line of scrimmage and, and run a tempo play. They did that at third and goal at the one. Uh, they get down to the one-yard line, and they rush up to the line of scrimmage, and the, the tight end moves, and now it's third and five or third and six. 
and then they get a delay of game, and it was third and eleven. So they go from third and one at the you know one yard line to third and eleven, and they miss the field goal. So there have been some empty trips like that when they've tried to go fast. But I feel like they do. They would like to get more plays in, and because they have a lot of playmakers, it just gives you uh, more opportunities. And they're going to get you know some chunk yards in the passing game. And I feel like they need to run more of those plays you know to get more plays so they can work in the run and and get that you know get those averages up when they when they kind of just rely on the pass there's a lot of criticism there and they, but that's kind of what they do that's kind of who they are so they get more plays like that they know they can mix in some more runs and sort of kind of keep people happy but that's i think that's when it's going to be the most effective offense when you're seeing that many plays i just don't know if they can sustain that you know especially against a a tough defensive front like utah I wanted to touch on a little bit of recruiting here, particularly the quarterback position. I know they've got commitments from, or at least they had, maybe they haven't kept them, uh, two kids, and then they offered, we got a stud here at Corner Canyon that's uh, thrown for eight zillion yards and all that, and they'd offered him. How many quarterbacks do they normally offer and take commitments from? They're kind of in a rough spot right now because of the way um, the, you know, the last couple recruiting cycles have gone. I mean, they had... Uh, you know, Bryce Young, who was you know one of the top quarterbacks in the country, committed for a very long time. He flips at the last minute and goes to uh, Alabama. You know, Jack Sears transferred out of the program, and you know we saw him up at Boise State. Now, JT Daniels transferred out of the program. He's potentially potentially going to start this weekend for Georgia. Um, so they only have two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster right now: Keaton Slovis and, and Matt Fink, who you know can't had to play against Utah last year and they had a, a walk-on transfer from uh vanderbilt who played some games in the sec that they were he's gonna be the third string guy and he's out with an injury so they just don't have a lot there they got jake garcia and miller moss are a couple of four-star you know uh drop back quarterbacks that they have committed for the class of, of 2021 and they're still recruiting some guys there and, and other guys in, in 2022 but it's just hard to keep that pipeline full when guys are, are transferring out and you know they've you usually get that five-star guy at USC every other year or so, and Bryce Young bailed out. They didn't get a quarterback in the last class. So they've had some numbers issues there, and when guys are transferring out, now what are you going to do? So they need to bring in at least two for 2021, and they got to keep, the, you know, keep that going. But, yeah, right now, and we don't know. I mean, the, we, the dead period lasted the whole year. There's no visit. So, I mean, these, I feel really bad for the guys in, in 2021 the quarterbacks usually know they've been around the campus and stuff, and they know the program. But if they keep both of those guys, and Jake Garcia, one of them had actually moved to Georgia so he could play high school football there, they should be okay. But if not, then you're kind of scrambling again for, for, for finding a quarterback. But right now, with only two scholarship quarterbacks, they need to bring in as many guys as they can. Moved to Georgia so he could play high school football. I thought it was crazy when I heard people were moving to Utah to play high school football, and a lot of kids did that. <laughs> I can't imagine going to my parents, but, you know, that was a different era, so whatever. Yeah, PK, can, can you imagine transfer. going to your parents and saying, hey, we got to move here so I can play high school baseball? <laughs> yeah, but in California, he transferred to three different high schools as it was before even going to Georgia, so, so he's used to it. He's already in the transfer pipeline. <laughs> Well, Ryan, uh, before we let you go, uh, are you expecting SC to come out of this game 3-0, and the advantage of having two conference games uh, under their belt? You know, the, the, the home team has won but with the last seven times in this series. It's going to be altitude, and we've seen Kyle Willingham really play well in the, the openers. But I just feel like there's a – you know, I watch Cal, who I like, and they look terrible against UCLA, and that was their first game. You know, USC having two warm-up games you know, for this one – 
I just think that's going to be a pretty big advantage. And we don't know. I mean, there could be guys that are you know key contributors that are out. We just don't know for the Utah roster right now. So I think USC is going to be three and zero in this one. But obviously, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if Utah gets the the win here. But I think just the the advantage of already playing two games might be a little too much to overcome. Ryan, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.